and welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and discuss it in depth. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. San Francisco time on the world's best internet radio station, BFF.FM, or subscribe to the podcast at For the Record Podcast, all one word, dot com. This week, we're talking about a new album from Australian singer-songwriter Alex Leahy titled The Answer is Always Yes, and it starts out with a song called Good Time. Everyone's a bit fucked up, but they think they're okay. Especially when they're out of their houses today. Forgotten how to talk, but never shut up. I want a good time, not a long time. Let's get the hell out. Come on. talk about this record because I have what I'm always listening to is a Spotify playlist called Current Rotation and it's where I add all of the new releases or new music I've heard about and I listen to it and then I roll off you know the albums as I get tired of them and as new stuff comes in and this is one that this album is one that has just stayed on my playlist for months it came out in May 2023 and we're now in September but I I just can't take it off because I so enjoy listening to it she's just got such a charming charming voice and sensibility and I I just love each of these songs yeah this is not an artist I was familiar with and uh, it is kind of an interesting choice that this first track is in some ways very atypical for mm-hmm. the record in terms of how it sounds. Uh, it's written with and produced by the awesomely nicknamed Garrett Jackknife Lee, who then doesn't work on the rest of the record. And so it has a very distinctive sound. And it is really funny that you pointed out in a lot of interviews, she says, I'm sick of being compared to Courtney Barnett because mm-hmm. she's Australian and also a woman who you know, sings kind of rocking, but interesting music. But then the very beginning of this song, she really steers and leans into that kind of vocal sound that then I think doesn't happen on the rest of the record and doesn't even last through the song because then we get into the chorus where it shifts into this much poppier, more upbeat energy than delightfully contrasted against, uh, even as she's saying, everyone wants to have a good time, but it's expressed in terms of like people getting out and like fist fighting and her mouth is full of blood. So there's this kind of like, it's so great to get out from pandemic lockdown, but it's almost violent in its intensity. Yeah, she wrote this about how, you know, she she's from Melbourne and lives there um, and is, lives in LA part of the time as well now. But she... You know, the the lockdowns in Australia were very tight and then they kept, you know, getting eased and then they would get locked down again. And so she was just 
talking about how those first few weeks after lockdown finally ended that people were just going crazy and partying. Yeah, I loved her specific way of putting it. What I noticed in Melbourne particularly is how lit everyone wanted to get. Like people were just out of control. (laughs) And it's funny that she was complaining about being compared to Courtney Barnett a few years ago, which was more like it was a more strange comparison because her first two albums had a much stronger power pop bent they were almost kind of like pop punk and this album really represents the departure and broadening of her sound so she sounded even less like courtney barnett on those first two records yeah but it's fun we get it we get a mix of sounds and i think we shift into a very different gear from this upbeat opener into something a little more contemplative on the next track it's called congratulations this as maybe a, a downshift in energy or more contemplative. I don't know what I was thinking. It's incredibly bouncy and energetic. And it's, uh, I think, in fact, the first single that was released. I think she ended up releasing six singles off of a 10-track record, which mm-hmm. is a pretty impressive ratio, but a good way to build anticipation. I think this was a great first choice because it is really energetic. And I like that it's exploring, you know, it's a breakup song, but it's very much about you know, I'm trying to be happy. I'm trying yeah. to be happy for you. She, she says she wrote this song after she found out that two she, in the same week, she found out two of her exes had gotten engaged. And she was like, sometimes the, the universe tells you you need to write a song about something. Yeah. And it's it's such a fun song. I think the the just the actual lyricism is really funny and self-deprecating. I like this, how she's singing so energetic and just like, there's something in my eye. It's like, all right, well. So happy for your perfect life. <laughs> yeah. And so it is really funny and heartfelt. And I think, yeah, this is much more thematically, like I think it, this could be described as a breakup record with a little bit of pandemic mixed in. And this is one of a number of songs about like trying to come to grips with your emotions. And also I think a theme of, feeling like other people are moving forward and you're sitting still or maybe regressing and it's a, a good yeah. good territory to explore. I, I feel like this song is, with a few exceptions, is basically a, so- a record of breakup songs, which are 
not sad, but really funny and self-aware. And I think, you know, spoiler alert, the the title of the album and the last song, the answer is always yes, basically come back around to like, you can never predict what's going to happen. Like life is crazy. We're all just kind of doing our best. And the only way to kind of make sense of it is to greet it with a yes. Yes. But before we get to that, <laughs> the next song is very much on the opposite side of the coin with a pretty <laughs> negative outlook. No, I know. But I mean, I, yeah. I don't want people to hear this record for the first time and think it's very cynical because I think it has a real genuine heart. Yeah. And I think even when she's cynical, there is a little bit of a wink to it. And that's true on this next track. It's called You'll Never Get Your Money Back. I tried to leave the country like I was a crook. Tried every religion, but they never took. Because every single scripture was screaming your name. When I just went to play that instrumental break in that song not just because I really like it but I found it a little bit frustrating that I can't find credits like detailed credits for this album anywhere and Jess Elwood is credited as drums on some of these songs and then synth and backup vocals is Sophie Payton but there's not really anything else so I'm not sure if she is playing all the instruments Uh, I know she's playing guitar and obviously doing the vocals yeah I mean she certainly has some virtuosity on the guitar. I'm pretty sure that has to be, I mean, I know she's the guitarist of the band and it's sounds really great. I mean, it's kind of a little bit of that like cheesy ultra effects pedal, the edge noodling around on, on a YouTube record, but it's fun to hear here on these kind of very earnest, but also self-deprecating breakup songs to have a little bit of that kind of expansive uh, sound and, and, and these these songs have a lot of sonic texture, and so I just wanted a little bit more insight into where that was coming from. Yeah. But the the synths and the um, you, the, there's just a, like a lot of interesting stuff going on. Yeah. I know she plays bass on because she, she I read an interview where she talked about playing bass on one of the songs, so it's entirely possible that she's playing all of these. She's uh, you know uh, I was going to say professionally trained in music. She's she has a degree in music, and she started out playing the saxophone, and then picked up guitar and for all I know she does play other instruments I mean it is obviously testament to her musical talent and virtuosity but also this is such a collaborative record I had already mentioned how she works with a number of different producers Uh, this song is credited with two co-writers Jenny Owen Youngs and Jess Abbott uh, who she claims at least this was the first song she wrote for the record and she wrote it on the first day that she ever met them and that just kind of getting into like how a breakup feels like you're getting ripped off 
And after she came up with that key lyric of love never leaves you in the black. <laughs> and it was just like, ah, okay, this song clicks. This is great. Yeah. And then she says, and then they celebrated by watching Xena together. <laughs> Which is a great way. Like, yeah, we really nailed this one. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's such a fun song. Even as it's like a little bit, like, you, you got to get past this phase for sure. And the next song that we'll play also explores a really varied instrumental territory, and it's called The Sky is Melting. The house was listed online, the user was verified. We scoured through the records, was a hell of a vibe. Uploaded conspiracies, believe legitimately that we know everything that is such a f- kind of fun palate cleanser after those two somewhat intense breakup songs to have a you know torn from real life experience story of getting way too high at joshua tree and uh you know in case you're asking oh is this based on true experience she says straight up yes pretty much everything in this song did happen relatively verbatim my, my favorite line is when her girlfriend apologizes for i guess you won't be getting laid on your birthday <laughs> No, it is. Yeah, it's again another super self-deprecating one. But I love the the modern touches of this. That it's like uh, you're going up to Joshua Tree to get high, but you're getting your weed at a dispensary and renting a house on Airbnb. And when everyone's super messed up, they're talking about Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy <laughs> theories. Like I love how much these songs feel kind of timeless, but they very are much anchored in now and feel so kind of like immediate. Well, I think what I generally like about music is our lyrics where there's enough, there's a universality to the feelings that it's relatable, but it's so, it has so much specificity that you can really connect to it. And we talked about Margaret Glassby a couple episodes ago, and my criticism of her was that they're all kind of big idea. All her lyrics are kind of like very high level, and there's not those personal details. And this is, I feel like the contrast really stands out here when I think about this is what I like. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, the, there's that real sense of yeah, the universal, because again, breakup songs, most of these songs are breakup songs. And the, that what's more universal than that? But they all feel so kind of anchored. Um, but I'll say that I think the next track we'll play is another breakup-ish song that is perhaps the most anthemic and universal maybe on the album. Yeah. It, and it it takes its title from a, a phrase or a saying that I really like that be nice to people on the way up because you'll meet them all again on the way down. Yeah, it's called on the way down. 
first song that I heard from this record, and this is what made me seek out the rest of it. And it's just the 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 exact sort of power pop with a ton of energy that is like squirt it right into my veins. Yeah, and after a couple, you know, I think the earlier breakup songs that were a little more nuanced, a little more like, oh, I'm trying to feel happy yeah. for you, and like, oh, I'm trying to work through my sort of more complicated emotions about this. This is just a like. Screw you. <laughs> you, like, you! You suck. Like it's really just very yeah. It's uh, unapologetically ups- angry and righteous fury in song form. Yeah, yeah. I I think my original post about this with the video was um, I hope the person who this is about knows that it's about them. <laughs> yeah, no, it is so fun, and it's you. You mentioned the videos, and I think this album like it was six singles before the record came out and then four videos that came before came out before the record came out and i would say all of the videos are pretty great so i recommend you check them out they all are uh more than just someone singing on a stage but they all have some really interesting production and creative ideas that highlight the song in, in interesting ways so and shout I, out and i would say this is maybe the most instrumentally or the least instrumentally interesting song on the record but it makes up for it in energy yeah, it is a super blast, and it's great placement here, kind of in the heart of the record. This is what track five out of ten. So it's uh, it's the the last song on the first side of the record, as you would point out, as I would point out, but forgot to this time. And so I think from here we go into I think I, some songs we'll actually skip over because the, the energy goes down and it becomes a little more like conventional love songs. Well, and... also we we have to limit the number of yeah, songs we talk yeah, about. Yeah, they're not we bad. Fit they're, it all yeah, into they're not. They're minutes. not bad songs, but it's like the, I think the album like shifts into maybe a little bit of a lower gear mm-hmm. and gets a little I think actually contemplative and explores again some of those themes of not so much the breakups but ideas of stagnation mm-hmm. and when everyone else is moving forward on the next track it's called Permanent. Every time I walk up Sutherland, I become taken by the rise and fall of coffee shops and parking lots. Wish I had a crystal ball to tell me how to save us all, but I'll just keep on hanging out while everyone is leaving town. Don't want to get used to this unless I know it's permanent. It's something that I'll miss Don't want to get used to this Unless I know it's permanent Don't want to get used to this In case it's something that I'll miss This song is so kind of sonically different. It has such a stripped down acoustic guitar and it really threatens to be this mopey experience. And then we hear that it opens up at the end into this 
again electric guitar experience where suddenly the 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 sky opens and it's not necessarily like yeah everything is all right but at least you don't have to be stuck and that's yeah. a, a, a good way to end the song it's really powerful yeah the way that it's just the acoustic strumming guitar and then all of the instruments come in and it switches to a more electric like rock feeling instrumentation i really like that shift and she does that a few times in a few different songs where the like it'll just go to kind of an instrumental break and that will really shift the feeling or kind of underline the purpose of the song or the what she's trying to get away the, the emotions she's trying to get across and i really think how if, I, I think that's very effective and i think it's worth mentioning that she co she was a co-producer on this album she said that she had helped you know she had helped in the production of her first two records and so she really felt like she had learned a lot and had a specific feeling of how she wanted this album to sound and she said it it came out the way that she wanted it and so i i'm glad that she felt like she was in control of those decisions and you really feel like you're getting a true uh like she's really conveying what she intends to convey with these songs yeah she's able to really get i said that sort of that feeling of being stuck and then the expanse of hope at the end and that this was really driven by her own personal experience of she, you know, she had to move back to Melbourne as she puts it, not necessarily by choice. Well, it was during lockdown. Yeah. Seeing how much things had changed though. The city had really evolved since she left and suddenly she came back and it's like, Oh, the city's moving forward and now I'm back. And so that not just your friends or your neighbors, but the city itself and, and how kind of psychologically intense that can be. Mm -hmm. And so I think she does really capture that well here and we get from this to the another really, I think, emotionally intense, driven by her personal experience. And it, as the last song that ended up being written for the album. It's the penultimate track. Yeah. And it's called They Wouldn't Let Me In. I couldn't get into the party at the warehouse. It's going to be teared down the rides that are death traps at the county fair. Grab the boat on the way to the island where we used to stay or even in your springy bed where I used to rest my head. Why don't you let me in? Come on, just let me in. Why don't you just fucking let me in? Hey. They put me outside. They left me outside. What keeps you warm at night? It keeps me outside. But you're still watching me. so this started out as just being she wanted to write a song on the bass and so she started with that idea and then it kind of came into this what she says is probably the most direct expression of her frustration of what it was like to be growing up as a queer kid. And she says, this song is inspired by those tougher moments, not being allowed to attend my high school girlfriend's school formal, being excluded from conventional romantic rites of passage, moments of isolation, and feeling like I couldn't relate to anyone around me. Yeah, it's so, yeah, it's based on such an intense and sad experience. And yet, 
I think she transmutes it into this defiant, energetic anthem that brings such great energy. It has that kind of new wavy kind of pretenders-y energy to it that Mm -hmm. sounds sort of dark. It's got really fun production where there's a lot of stereo. I think a lot of these songs have gentle use of stereo. And here she just goes full bore with the sound bouncing back and forth from left to right. It's really delightful. Uh, She says that she wrote this and produced it at the same time pretty quickly with Chris Collins. And she self-deprecatingly says, ah, there's really not that much to it. Whereas to me, like, (laughs) this song is so... I don't want there to be more. Like, this is the right amount. And it sounds so big and exciting. And even with that the sort of righteous energy and the sad backstory, it still has wonderful bits of humor, like talking about all the things she couldn't get into. It includes, like, getting into a haunted house while people died and a carnival ride that's going to kill you. It's a death trap. And, you know, I couldn't get into Burger King, even though I didn't want to. Like, And how much, yeah, that like not being able to do things, like, I don't even, I don't want to do it, but I'm angry that I'm not allowed to do it. And yeah. It's, and it's, but I love that there's, even in the earnestness and energy, there's a that a little bit of humor. Well, and like the humor in like, you know, um, they wouldn't let me in, but you're still watching me from the inside. You know, it's like, you're still interested in what I'm doing, even though you won't let me in. But yeah, I love the dark energy and kind of the minor key feel of it. That's different from anything else on the record. No, I love how, I mean, I think there's a lot of cohesiveness thematically and sonically, but there are enough kind of curveballs that come at us. And especially when she goes to a couple of these tracks where it's, I think most of the tracks are just a couple of co-producers, but the two tracks, which have a separate, like a producers only on that one song, give you a nice, real different sampling. And it's, it's a, again, a very re-listable album in part because of that variety. Yeah. And so the last song that we're going to play, as I said earlier, is called, it's the title track, The Answer is Always Yes. And it kind of takes everything that has come earlier in the album. Like, I think it's a delightful sequencing that there are a lot of kind of cynical moments and angry moments. But at the end of the day, she's just like wants to embrace life and like move forward and take whatever comes at her. And she talked about the last two songs being sequenced in uh, in that way because, you know, acceptance isn't just about, we're here, I'll just read the quote. She said, a big part of this record is acceptance, and that doesn't mean putting up with shit. Acceptance doesn't necessarily mean just waving the white flag and not fighting for what you think is right or not believing in justice. But I also think that acceptance is a part of moving forward and creating change too. So the... The last song kind of, I feel like, brings that all together in this kind of spacey, contemplative song, and it really puts a nice bow on the end of the record. And so we'll go out with that. The song and the album is called The Answer Is Always Yes. We've been talking about Alex Leahy, and you've been listening to For The Record. Thanks so much for listening. Backseat of hybrid, trying to get some extra mileage. There's a podcast on the radio. Who killed who will never know. Sucking on a thumb drive so I don't get too excited. But if I'm gonna die here, well, at least the engine's quiet. It's a long wait of trying to be seen. Don't walk out Cause there's no in-between They'll tell you at the end
member of the BFF.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.